Uh, welcome here. We're glad that you, you joined us uh, here at our 10 o'clock service. Uh, this is our, obviously our Fish Creek campus. We have a McKenzie campus as well. We have 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock services here at Fish Creek. And, uh, and we're glad that you, you joined us here. We're continuing our s- series on transformation. And we've been looking at this for a few weeks. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, being born from above, which is in reference to a conversation that, uh, that Jesus had uh, about the importance of being born again or born from a, above. Uh, and the idea that transformation always has to start with us. Uh, you, and, you and I can look around in this world and we can see all these things that need to change and be transformed. Uh, but the truth is that uh, the problem in this world starts in the human heart. God wants to transform our world, uh, but it always happens from the inside out. And so in John uh, chapter 20, Jesus breathes his spirit, new life, uh, into his disciples after his death and resurrection. And in Scripture, that's a pinnacle, it's a pinnacle point because from that point on, there's something that's referred to in the New Testament as the new creation starts, that the God's doing something new in this world. He's transforming it uh, to renew the world, to restore the world, uh, but it always starts in the human heart. And so we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, and then last week we talked about uh, what does a transformed community look like? Because even though we come to Jesus individually, we come to Jesus to express our need for Him, our need for Him to transform us. Um, as soon as we begin to follow Him, we actually enter into his uh, community, which we call the church. In Scripture, this is referred to even as the body of Christ. So there's one body, but we have many different parts, many different members of the body. Uh, but we're one. And so we, we don't walk this faith journey alone. We walk it in community with other people. Uh, and that transformed community looks a certain way. And so if you want the background of that info, if you missed the last couple of weeks, you can go online and uh, you can catch up uh, with uh, what you missed there. But this morning, we want to talk about what does it mean for us as the community, as individuals who follow Jesus, as the community of Jesus' followers, to actually start moving out and transforming uh, the world around us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we've looked at a few times now. Uh, Jesus says, Uh, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus had this hope and this dream that the whole world, that all nations would come to know him, and that this process would always would start from the inside and would go out. And Jerusalem was significant, not just because of what it meant geographically, but for another reason. Who can remember what the reason was why Jerusalem was significant here? What's that? When the Holy Spirit came. That's, that's where the Holy Spirit came, yeah. The Holy Spirit came down upon um, all of the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is significant here um, because this is the initial point of an inward transformation, the initial point where the Spirit came down on God's people to transform them from the inside out. So it's from this point, from this inward transformation that, uh, that, that Jesus says that his, uh, his kingdom is going to move out. The kingdom of God is going to move out from Jerusalem uh, and onward eventually to all the nations of the earth, but it starts in the human heart. It's ironic, though, if you look at the 
in verse reference, Acts 8, verse 1. So you have Acts 1, verse 8, where Jesus said this is what's going to happen. And then eight chapters later, we come to Acts 8, verse 1, and it says, it says this. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. So we, we see this echo in Acts 8, verse 1, with, uh, with Acts 1, verse 8. So up until that point, uh, which was more than a year, uh, up until that point, the believers had just continued to gather. They just gathered and gathered and gathered. Jesus was calling them not just to gather, but to scatter. That His intent was always that His Holy Spirit would come and that His people would actually bring God's kingdom, this new creation, the re restoration of relationships, um, outward from Jerusalem. But they gathered because that's what they knew how to do. Up until that point, uh, the Jewish people gathered in temples and synagogues uh, at certain days, certain points in the year, certain points in the week, uh, and it was a gathering community. And that gathering is what gave that community identity. So they, keep, they kept gathering because that's what they knew what to do, but God wanted that, uh, that transformation to move outward. And it's it's ironic that it wasn't until persecution, it wasn't until uh, this crisis and this pressure happened that the believers actually finally started to move out. And I think even today, we fall into the temptation of just continuing to gather. We gather and we gather and we gather. And often it's this point of crisis, either a crisis of need outside of us that we start to move uh, out to meet that need, or a crisis inside of us that's forcing us out. Uh, but God uses even these points of crisis to actually keep pushing His church out because He wants us to scatter, not just to gather. Uh, and so that's what we're talking about this morning. Uh, and uh, to kind of bring flesh to this idea, I'm going to invite my friend uh, Dave Hoagie to the stage. You guys can give Dave Hoagie a nice, warm uh, SunWest welcome. Dave's a church planter here in Calgary. Um, and so we're excited that he's uh, joining us. Um, so, Dave, why don't you tell us what you, what you do for a living, a little bit about yourself, your family, those pieces. All right. Um, pleasure to be here, everybody. Dave Hoagie is the name. Um, my, uh, a little bit about my family. So my wife, Sharon, is sitting at the back, my wife of 28 years, my good friend. And... Uh, we met in high school, so we've been here at SunWest for 19 years, coming up January. We've been here a long time. We came from the Lower Mainland, Vancouver area. We have three lovely children, not the least of which is sitting right here, young Max, grade 10, football player. Um, and uh, our 22-year-old daughter is at CBC in uh, Alista. She is in, uh, in Abbotsford, and Jackson is in Kansas, going to school there, playing baseball and Picking business, the more important part, of course. And myself, I work at Stepper Homes, and I've been there for coming up in 19 years. Actually, it was 19 years this week that I've, that I've been there. So, Stepper Homes is a uh, home builder in the city of Calgary. Starter product. Anyway, sorry. That's, you, can, you can give your plug. That's yeah. good. That's great. Um, WWW. Yeah. So, Dave, you've been following Jesus for quite some time. 
Um, can you tell us just a little bit about your own faith journey? When did that start for you? Um, and uh, yeah, and how did you, how did you understand? Let's even start like as a child. What what did you understand for it to mean to follow Jesus? Uh, and then we'll kind of talk about how that's maybe changed a little bit over time, even in the last few years. Um, so raised in a Christian family, I was fortunate to be for that. Um, conservative Baptist background uh, in Maple Ridge, BC, Maple Ridge Baptist Church. Uh, and my family was very, very involved in church. My dad was the choir director there for 35 years, and my mom the same for the junior choir side. And so it was, church was kind of what we did, um, specifically on Sundays and, and through the week for the most part. So... I was I was uh, uh, made a decision to follow Christ at an early age, and uh, and and that's how I I came into to, to know the Lord and was raised that way and and raised in the church in the youth group there and and uh, that's pretty much it. Awesome. So, but in the in the last uh, few years specifically, I think there's been uh, you know from my observation as I've watched you. Uh, there's been a bit of a transformation in, in how you understand what it means to follow Jesus and serve Jesus um, in a bit more of a holistic uh, way. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that transition and what that practically means at uh, Stepper Homes? So, okay, I guess being raised in a conservative Christian background, uh, conservative Baptist background, whatever it is, um, you know, it was all about church and, and really... Um, what happened at church was was so churchy one way, and what happened maybe at school and at work was was a little different. And I, I think what what developed was a was a Sunday Dave, <laughs> maybe is a way that came to mind, and, and, a, and a Friday Dave, and uh, sometimes perhaps a Friday night Dave. But at any rate, um, what what became to, be, became uh, transforming the and a, and a transforming idea that came to to me that God convicted me with was, do I need to be those two different people? I need to be, I need to be something that's consistent um, in my family life, in my work life, and in my home life, and, and uh, in my church life. I need to be maybe a Saturday Dave. And, uh, and, and I, was, I was convicted in that, and so that maybe, maybe said I need to be a little less, not that I was ever really churchy, but focused on the church side of me. Certainly, not uh, not on the opposite side, and don't get me mixed up for be sitting on the fence. I'm always on the, the Jesus side of the fence. There's no doubt of that, but more in the middle in terms of how I was as a person. In fact, really finding out maybe who Jesus wanted me to be all the time. And you mentioned it was when you were working on the values at Stepper Homes that you almost felt well, uh, yeah. convicted on that point. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, so one of our core values at Stepper is integrity. And, uh, and, you know, integrity, everybody's got that as a core value. And so we, we, we went to the point, we said, we, well, let's define it. What does it mean for us? And it was, so to be the, to be the same with whoever you are, wherever you are and with whoever you, you are with, and what you say is indeed what you do. And as I'm preaching that to my staff, I'm kind of going, oh, I'm not sure that's what I'm doing personally, right? Am I doing that? This, am I the same guy? And uh, I didn't think I was. So I, I needed to back off a little bit and find out, and ask God, who, who am I? Who, who, do, who should I be um, so that I'm more consistent, so that I am a person of integrity? And so as you, you step more into that, there's a few kind of specific uh, initiatives uh, that you, you took uh, to be, you know, not just the Sunday day, but also to have Dave be consistent throughout the week um, and bringing your faith into your workplace. Can you tell us a bit, bit about those three 
specific pieces that you've done? Yeah, so as, as um, you know, in anything we do, whether it's home building or, you know, fence building or teaching or uh, whatever it is we do, that's what we do. And, and you, know, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the, when I retire and if I look back and I go, okay, so I've done well, I've built all these homes, is that going to be, is that going to be what I, what, what sort of sums me up and gives me a grade? Or is it going to be something bigger than that? And, and for me, it, it's definitely bigger than that. I mean, we, our, the avenue is home building or teaching or, or selling homes or whatever it is. And so that, that, that whole thing started to, you know, really resonate and, and, and God impressioned that on me that I needed to, to do some intentional things or, be, or, or make that an opportunity in our, in our office. And some of the things that came up is, you know, teaching around on leadership. And uh, John Maxwell offers some great leadership um, seminars and books. And, uh, and it occurred to me that, well, you know, John Maxwell's a Christian. He's speaking from um, biblical standpoints. What a great way to teach leadership. Uh, to our gang and to expose them to uh, to uh, leadership opportunities, seminars, and, and whatnot. And so we started doing that, and and people, you know, letting them know, okay, it's a faith-based thing, but you know, you, when you're there, you're not getting preached to. But everything you're learning is good, sound biblical uh, leadership principles, uh, but it's not being preached to. And it was, it was you're not being preached to, and people really appreciated that. Um, further to that, seeing that they they liked that, we started doing some book series, and we. We actually opened it up to, um, uh, we, we took the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership and uh, we opened it up to uh, some small groups. We ended up having, uh, I think it was five or six uh, small groups, so like 30 or 40 people that signed up to study these groups, on a, study this book on a weekly basis in the office. Some met at six, some met at 12, and it was really, really cool. We had these uh, small groups meeting in the office studying uh, um, this book, and, and really, um, it, you know, we, we, we didn't start with prayer, we didn't... Um, we didn't uh, sing a lot, and there was very little flag waving, but we uh, but we did talk about leadership and uh, and uh, and biblical principles that the leadership was based on. So it was pretty cool. The, the other thing that came out of uh, that was, um, or it didn't necessarily come out of that, but the other thing that is the opportunity to to spread the gospel in the office was our El Salvador trips, and um, you know we were able to talk about what the, you know what that was because one of our staff members had gone and. Uh, People were signed up to uh, to participate in these trips to go down to El Salvador. We started taking teams in 2010. We've been doing it every year. We've had anywhere from 20 to 50 people go to uh, be a part of the El Salvador trip. The same one that Jake is in the middle of leading uh, to uh, SunWest teams right now. So that's been a real opportunity because they all, every single one of them, they come down there. They know it's a faith-based organization. They want to go, and every, at the end of the trip, every one of them has heard the gospel and been exposed to things that... Um, that uh, are causing them to question where and, and who they are, and, uh, and and we've never really preached to them. Well, I certainly haven't preached to them. So tell us just a little bit about when the opportunity to go to El Salvador uh, came up. You know, you mentioned one of your employees had gone. Um, and then how did you kind of start that ball rolling of getting people's minds around actually um, starting to think about going to El Salvador and convince, um, you know, Stepper as an organization that this might be something worth investing in? Um, uh, one of our guys who was a framer, a long-time framer with us, and he uh, ended up starting with us in the office, was an employee, had just been down. He went down with Trent and Stu and Jake, uh, and this guy's name's Gord. He, um, he actually had trained um, Trent and Jake years ago in framing, and they'd convinced him to come down. So he was, he's a big, you know, big bear of a guy, lovable guy, soft-spoken, and... Um, um, he was down there in 2009 when Hurricane Ida hit, which is very, very impactful 
uh, trip to El Salvador, and they had to minister to people in a different way, and it uh, really impacted him in a, in a huge way. Uh, he came back, and I asked him, hey, he's not a guy that speaks in public. I said, hey, Gord, you want to talk at one of our staff meetings and tell us about your experience? And he said, okay, I'll do it. And, and he did, and uh, he got up there and told the whole story. It was very emotional, um, and just talked about how it had impacted his life, and it infected our staff through Gord. Um, you know, we talked about it as a, as, a, as, a, as a corporate leadership, company leadership, and, and uh, uh, the, the board of directors at, at Stepper Homes is a majority of Christian people, and, and it, was, it was something that said, hey, this would be, you know, be a great thing for us to, to offer to staff. Maybe it's something we should consider. And at that time, there was something going on um, called the Advent Conspiracy, and it was an effort that was uh, uh, trying to convince people to say, hey, I'm going to give up something to do something for something else at Christ somebody else at Christmas. So we, we decided, well, let's, what about if we give up our Christmas party and, uh, and take the staff down and see how that goes. And we offered that to the staff, and they were just like all over it, uh, jumped on, on the bandwagon. And, and in 2010, we had uh, 20, I think it was two groups of 20, so 40 people that went down and built a bunch of houses. And uh, it's become a tradition for us and something where we're really an opportunity for people to be exposed to the gospel. And how many houses has Stepper Homes been a part of building now? Uh, well, 400 homes. 400 homes, wow. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, and Shelter, the organization that you guys partner with, that SunWest also partners with, um, uh, just recently finished their 2,000th home, uh, which SunWesters have been a significant part of as well. So uh, that's, that's worth celebrating, and we'll look forward to hearing some of those stories even as Jake and the team uh, gets back after this week. Um, I just, I just want to point out, you know, as I'm listening to you share, Dave, that uh, how these themes of inner transformation that starts affecting um, the world around you, um, you know, that, that was true of Gord, as you mentioned, right? And we think about even crisis, right? It's the crisis of the hurricane that, that projected, that, you know, that moved Gord to, um, you know, to give himself in, in a new, uh, powerful way. And in, in that experience, he actually came and gave to you know, stepper, and it's these points of crisis, these points of transformation that um, as Gord or yourself have been vulnerable enough to share and invite other people into it, it's kind of created a um, outgoing uh, movement, and so I think that's just a, a really neat way uh, to see how God's kingdom is moving through uh, what started as felt needs, but it's, gr it's grown into uh, more than that as well. Um, Sorry, here's a question. I didn't ask you this first uh, service, Dave, but putting you on the spot here. So, so Dave and I are texting this week because uh, we both had a little bit crazy schedule. So a few minutes here and there, we're shooting texts back. And so we're talking about, you know, what he's going to share this morning. And uh, so you mentioned some of the things he's talking about. Um, and he's talking about spirituality and faith and helping people get uh, understand these things and God's grace uh, is important to be effective today, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and, uh, and, when, and so as he finished this text, uh, you know, I didn't get it, and then I, and then I, get, an, and then I get another text. He, sent, he copies, pastes that, sends another text. I want to hear something funny. He said, just sent that note to the wrong Matt first. Sent it to a guy from work. Um, and so I'm just curious what Matt, the other Matt, responded to you, you on the text. Did he, did he say <laughs> Well, it was, uh, fortunately, it was the right Matt. I mean, well, I guess it wouldn't matter, but it was fairly... Detailed yeah. message. Yeah, yeah. But that Matt is a uh, former youth pastor. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so he was going like, oh, hey, Dave, way to go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. 
All right. Um, so, you know, as we listen to your story, Dave, uh, it's, you know, very cool pieces happening. God's uh, moving in, in ways through you at, at Stepper. Um, and maybe as we hear it, we're like, you know, I just don't know if I could do that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the insecurities um, and the fears that you've actually had to push through in order to be obedient to what God was asking you to do at Stepper? Uh, yeah, I guess the biggest one would be just, you know, my own uh, feeling of inadequacies. Um, you know, we all face things and, and are involved in the real world um, and make decisions sometimes that we wish we didn't make. Um, you know, I guess I'll focus on that as, as a, you know, can be a deterrent for me, at least mentally. You know, there's, 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 a, there's a, the verse that talks about there's no sin that's not common to man. And I find myself, you know, I can dwell on the things that I've done in the past or the mistakes that I've made or the times that, I, that Friday Dave showed up too many times or whatever the case may be. And it becomes a deterrent in, 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 in wanting to do or believing that I can do what it is that I know God's asking me to do. You know, God's grace is, is bigger than all that. And, and Paul talks about the challenges that, and, uh, the challenges that he faced on and on and the, and the struggles that he had and the burr, the, you know, the thorn that kept him from doing, you know, he talked about wanting to get rid of that, but knowing that he still had to push on and do what he needed to do. And so despite the fact that we know that we blow it, you know, God's grace is bigger than that. And, it, and it's not like we need a period of time of, you know, a year or two to get over it, I'm going to get ready. Sometimes it becomes a cop-out. I really think the reality is that, you know, God's grace is sufficient, and when he forgives you, you're forgiven. Like, it, okay, go. Get going. Don't sit on your butt, right? And I, I that, you know, my wife has encouraged me in that, and, you know, yeah, you blow it, but you, you still got a job to do. You got people to lead. You got people to influence, and, and God's grace allows you to, all of us, to say, hey, the things I've done, or no bigger, um, you're forgiven. Now get going, you lazy bum. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, in our unplugged service at nine o'clock, we uh, every week we open it up for a question response time, and uh, you know we we're just not able to do that for various reasons here in the uh, in the second service all the time. Um, but I thought it would be good with Dave sharing and me asking him questions, that we give you a little bit of taste of what we do at Unplugged every week. Um, and to open it up to you guys, uh, just maybe a few questions, if somebody has questions that they, uh, you know, things that they're thinking or wondering as Dave is sharing, um, and uh, stand up so we can see you, and uh, we'll run a mic to you, and you can ask your question, and uh, Dave will do his best to answer it. Anybody? Yeah, right there. Okay. Steve, Steve, just hang on. We're going to run you a mic here. I know, but you're not, it's not going to be heard on the I'm just wondering, Dave, if you've ever received uh, pushback from sharing your, or kind of integrating your faith at work. Have there, has there ever been a situation where Somebody said, hey, man, this isn't, this isn't the place for that. Um, I work in a public school, and sometimes when, when I bring my faith to work, I have those worries and concerns. So has that ever happened? How did you deal with it? That sort of thing. Yeah, you know, I, I, yes, uh, we, we have had that in word. Um, 
I guess being being careful in, in how you present it is important on one hand. Um, being okay with being a little uncomfortable isn't the end of the world. Um, you know, I can think of a situation, that, and the reason that I've chosen John Maxwell as, as, a, as a group is because I, as my point being that he, he speaks from a biblical speaks from a biblical standpoint and, and, and teaches good leadership. He's a Christian guy, and some of his some of the people that he um, has presenting aren't Christians, and some are, and some are very overtly um, Christian in their speaking. Um, and sometimes that comes across. And I've had people, you know, shuffling in their seats and get up and leave, and they come to me and say, "Yeah, that was that was a little over the top for me. It's not on the same same, um, you know, it's not it's not what I believe." And so, um, and and you face that, and 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 you get a little a little pushback. Now we don't have a, a union organization; it's a small company, so you know, a couple of conversations, and we can you can usually smooth over it. But the reality is, um, you know, you give somebody the opportunity to, to uh, uh, a venue to hear that, to hear those those biblical principles. It opens up doors for conversations that happen offline, happen you know behind closed doors or whatever, and and those those conversations do happen. So did we do we have we faced some of that? Yeah, has there been a little bit of fallout? Yes, there has been, and I, I'm I'm not overly. I guess you just got to be ready to be uncomfortable a little bit, and and that, and that's. Hasn't happened too much, but it has happened. Thank you. Um, I was there when Gord, uh, during the hurricane, and I saw his transformation right then and there and was special to see. I saw him work with the people there in El Salvador, and there's a few of us that saw this transition. What's amazing, though, is that Gord went back to Stepper Home and has now affected thousands and thousands of people. And uh, I'd just like to congratulate you. And I was just wondering, is Gord still involved with Stepper Homes? Uh, Gord works as a framing contractor for Stepper Homes. Um, and, uh, you know, has had some, you know, whatever, some, some diff th things have changed for him a little bit over the years. However, I had coffee with Gord about a month ago and, and invited him to uh, come to El, El Salvador, so he'll be coming down on our January trip with us again, so. Sweet. But um, just as Matt's talking about transformation, his transformation was amazing. And he is so quiet a man that it's amazing that he was able to affect Stepper Homes that much. Thank you. Thanks, John. Anybody else? We'll take uh, one more comment or question. Oh, okay, we'll take two more. We got Kelly and, uh, I think that's Kelly, and Brent. We'll go Kelly, then Brent, yeah. Thank you, Dave, for um, uh, your courageous leadership in the workplace. I've so admired you and your family over the years. Loved playing on our SunWest Heat baseball, game, a baseball team years ago. And um, your leadership qualities were very evident back then when, when we played even like 10 years ago. And uh, I just want to thank you very much for uh, your leadership for uh, SunWest and in your workplace. I'm just curious now um, what... Um, what's still ongoing with your, uh, in your workplace uh, where you 
get together like if you don't um, if you don't have a, a trip to El Salvador coming up what do you do continuously uh, with uh, with the people in your in your workplace well um, it's a good question always a challenge um, don't always have my eye on the ball to be honest with you <laughs> I have to I have to it, that's a challenge, but we do have an El Salvador trip coming up on the horizon, fortunately, uh, in January, January 7th to 15th and uh, 14th to 22nd. Um, so we're, we're going to be going down again, and, and, uh, and we've got some of the same people and, and new people as well coming up. And another neat thing about that is that we've opened that trip up over the years to not just our staff and spouses, but to industry partners. So we have uh, people from across um, Alberta that have come with us on that trip. And uh, so in... Um, in, in February, end of February, I'll be leading a team from Lethbridge, uh, Ashcroft Homes, who their president came with us last year, and now he wants to take his entire team, and, and uh, you know, they're from all other um, beliefs and, and religions that'll be coming down there, so that'll be a really interesting trip. So that, that sort of thing. Um, and then we were at a John Maxwell seminar last, last, uh, last month. Um, that was one, the one that got me in trouble, actually. It was... Uh, the, the CEO for Chick-fil-A was speaking on there, and he was really, I think he thought maybe it was his last opportunity because he's a little older, and he was preaching it hard. And I got a few elbows and rolled eyes from my Jewish buddy. <laughs> we have a Jewish accountant. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. Uh, Brent, last question here. So what have you seen uh, as far as changes in Stepper day-to-day um, -day, since you made these changes in integrity and... Uh, the trips and how have you seen um, maybe just the relations in the office or uh, uh, the direction or feedback from, from other people, uh, the changes uh, at Stepper? Does that make sense? Well, we, I, I would say we have a, the, our corporate culture has strengthened. We have a very little turnover rate, which is nice. Um, but but the, the more important thing is that uh, there's conversations that happen. You know, I... I I shared a little earlier, and Matt's going to touch on this kind of with a question in a minute, but, um, you know, there's, uh, we've had conversations where, you know, and people know my, even though I'm not overt, and, and, and I'll say again, there's a Friday <laughs> sometimes, and, and uh, you know, the conversations that we have are very good from time to time, and We've had one guy, one, I'm thinking one conversation where the guy asked me, so what does it mean to be a Christian? And he's one of the guys I've worked with the longest, and he knows where I stand. And, and I said, well, you know, you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe that Jesus died for your sins, and that, and that he's God's son, and you know, that conversation, he goes, well, I believe that. I said, okay, what do you believe? He says, well, I believe what you just said. I believe Jesus is God's son, and I believe that Jesus died for, for my sins. I said, well, then you're, I guess you're a Christian. And he, said, and he says, I guess I'm a Christian. And... Uh, <laughs> I said, okay, tick, no, but, you know, so, <laughs> to Matt's point, <laughs> but, but the interesting thing, and I, this dawned on me after I, I, I was talking about it earlier in the, in the first service, is that this guy is one of the most loyal, most honest, uh, loving uh, guys that you'll meet, and everybody loves him around the office, so whether he knows it or not, he's exemplifying some of, of what he believes in, so... Maybe it's helping to bring some of that into perspective or reality. I mean, I, I, and, and, and the, the, the culture is, there, there's a culture of, uh, of, uh, of caring for each other that's there. 
Um, so before I ask my last question, Dave, first service, you mentioned the story of, uh, you know, when you do the El Salvador trips, you usually look for a spiritual leader, you know, on that trip. Um, and you shared about one individual, yeah. I think it was a gal. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so story? Shelter uh, Canada, one of the requirements is, of course, we tell people that it's a faith-based organization, and you have, a, you have your build leaders, and you have your uh, overall team leader, and you have a spiritual leader. Um, so we bring our group down, and a majority of them aren't, aren't Christians or don't go to church, whatever. And, uh, and so we had this one lady that said, hey, can I be the spiritual leader? I said, oh, okay, I mean... Do you, are you going to church, or what's your faith? Well, I don't really have a faith, but I'd like to be the spiritual leader. Okay, so here's, here's kind of what we do for, for the, uh, what we ask the spiritual leader to do. It's, if you have, any of you have ever heard of the daily bread, they kind of take people through the daily bread at the beginning of the day before you head out on the job site. So here's a website. Go to dailybread.ca. And, you know, it's a, it's a verse, it's a, a thought, and it's a prayer. And she says, oh, I can do that. So she put together these biblical verse, thought, and prayer, and uh, led our team for, for six days every morning. So I would think there was some good exposure there for her. She kind of led us, right? <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, so just to recap really quickly, you're, um, you know, you got multiple different groups of, you know, eight to ten people meeting and doing book studies in the office. You're leading uh, annual, multiple annual mission trips into El Salvador, and uh, you're getting your staff leading devotionals and reading scripture. Uh, it sounds to me, Dave, like you're leading a church. I, I don't know. Anybody else? I, so I said it tongue-in-cheek at the beginning that Dave's, you know, a church planner. I'll talk about just in a second why, um, uh, why I believe that's the case. But uh, when you think of success, Dave, um, you know, sometimes we have these ideas of what success means as, as Christians living out our faith. And uh, how many of the employees that you have um, are, are tithing to SunWest? I'm just wondering. Uh, well, I, even despite all my efforts to, you know, I do take ta- tabs every yeah. Tuesday. I ask them. I, I, I have no idea. I'd say zero. Zero. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I thought this was <laughs> going to be point. a beneficial... Uh, interview. Uh, att- attending Sunrise. How many, how many of your employees are attending here? Uh, one, as far as I know. So all this effort, you just got one that's a, yeah, a bit of a loser. Um, and, uh, you know, in conversions, like, like what, what's the conversion rate of what you're doing? How many we people? have a great conversion rate. However, it relates specifically to traffic through the sales center and sales. Oh, okay. So okay. my uh, spiritual conversion rate, I, I don't have tabs on that. Right. Um, so the reason I'm asking, I ask those questions is because traditionally, uh, the church has had a scorecard in terms of how do we measure what we're doing as being successful. Uh, and often that scorecard looks for, um, you know, getting people to pray a prayer, um, you know, having butts in seats or bucks in the bank. And, and it's very easy for us to start thinking of, you know, are we being successful by looking at those metrics? Uh, and I just want to say... Uh, what Dave is doing is really at the heart of what we feel and believe that God is uh, calling SunWesters to be a part of. Uh, that if we are successful in actually uh, moving forward God's kingdom into our workplaces, uh, there's a new score that is more than just bucks and butts and prayers. Uh, 
And I would say, Dave, what you're doing is impactful, it's significant, it's transformational, um, and, and thank you for just being obedient to what God's leading you to do and inspiring us and opening our eyes to that, hey, there's, this, there's a new scorecard, uh, there's a, a new metric of what it means for us to be the, the church uh, and uh, be successful, if you will, uh, and I think you, you've led the way and opened our eyes and our minds to what that could look like creatively. So uh, thank you for sharing. Let's give uh, Dave a hand. I have to say I'm a little, so I see what you go through up here. It's a little warm with the lights, eh? It is a little warm. Yeah, Let's yeah. take my jacket off. <laughs> wow. I'm just going to just take a, you know, five minutes here as we, we close, um, just to, to bring a few thoughts uh, together. Yeah, you know, I talked about the scorecard, um, and, you know, gathering together is important, it's critical. Um, you, know, m- you know, money to do ministry, those are important things. People, um, you know, choosing to follow Jesus, I, I'm not trying to diminish those things, but I would simply say that uh, throughout uh, you know, the church history, we've actually lost sight of more of a holistic scorecard. Uh, and that the scorecard we often use is more of a reflection of a temple synagogue model. And we don't have a lot of time to, to unpack that, what that means this morning. But when, when Jesus came uh, and he wanted to start this movement, there was three institutions in Israel at the time, the temple, the synagogue, synagogue, and the ecclesia which I always translate church. Temple, synagogue, ecclesia. Two of those three institutions were religious and one was not. Which two were religious? The temple and the synagogue. The church was actually a governmental, political, uh, societal kind of group. It would, it would be community leaders um, as, as the... Um, as the nation state would expand, and it started with, the, with Greece, uh, and then when Rome took over, Rome actually took on this model of ecclesia. As the nation state would extend, expand, there would be leaders in a region that would, that would gather, and their mindset was actually to bleed the DNA of their, uh, of their, of their nation into the culture and the setting that they were. And so the ecclesia was a group of community leaders. And so when Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to build my church, I'm going to build my ecclesia, what he had in mind was not just the continual religious gatherings. He envisioned this movement that wasn't just about people showing up once a week on a Sunday to meet together. Uh, That had already been happening in the synagogue model where they come together and hear teaching, uh, the temple model where they come and do their religious rituals and they believe the presence of God was. See, Jesus kept some of those important pieces. We, we still gather as a community because the community was still important. We still um, listen to the scriptures and uh, teach the scriptures because that's God's primary revelation to us. And we believe that God's presence is here with us, but it doesn't stay here on Sunday morning. It goes with us in the hearts of his people. So those, those elements of synagogue and temple, the important things actually still exist, but Jesus was now using a different vehicle to bring transformation. That when I call Dave Ho- Hoagie a church planter, I'm not, 
uh, I'm not just being facetious, I'm not just saying that tongue-in-cheek, he's actually uh, doing this ecclesia idea that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. As a follower of Jesus who's received the grace of Jesus and the transformation by his spirit, um, and you know, Dave would be the first to say that he's not fully transformed, that he's in the process, you know, he's talking about the Friday Dave, the Sunday Dave, um, but he's just giving Jesus what he has and allowing God's kingdom to actually come through him in the context that he finds himself. Now, I want to look at one scripture passage as we close, and it's found in Mark, Mark chapter 1. When Jesus is calling his disciples, uh, you can look on the screen, we'll have the scripture there, uh, starting in verse 16. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. So this important point that you have these fishermen and at this point in the story, Jesus says, come follow me and they leave everything and they follow him. Except if you pay attention to the text, you show the text back up on the screen there. Uh, it says uh, that Simon and Andrew left what? Say it out loud. It's on the screen. You don't, don't be afraid of the wrong answer. Nets, right? This is open book test. You don't have to be afraid. Uh, they left their nets. They were fishermen, right? Makes sense they left their nets. Uh, were James and John fishermen as well? They were fishermen as well. But when it comes to James and John... He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their what? Father. Well, why would, they say, why would Mark say that Andrew and Simon left the nets, and James and John left their father? Didn't they both leave their nets? Yeah. Didn't they both leave their families? Yeah. If, if you know the characters in Scripture, you know that, that Peter's kind of like this type A personality. He, he thinks, he talks before he thinks, he... He takes action before he thinks through it. He's that type of guy. And my guess is, given his personality, he's probably, you know, your, I, you know, the quintessential business leader type of guy. You know, he's probably like the fisherman of fishermen. Uh, and maybe for him, it wasn't actually a big deal to leave his family. But for him to leave his business, maybe that was a bigger deal. And then you got James and John. And if you, know the, if you know who John is, he's quite a relational guy. You know, when he writes in Scripture, he talks a lot about the love of God, God's love for us, our love for God, that our love is expressed. Uh, we express our love for God by loving one another and being in relationship. And, and he's a relational guy thoroughly in his writings. And so when they describe John following Jesus, it doesn't say he left his nets because probably for John, it wasn't like a big deal for him to leave his business behind because, you know, relationships were more important. And for John... He left his family. You know, so we could read it like this, that Andrew and Simon followed Jesus. They left their nets, even, even their nets. James and John left their father and their family, even their father. And so we kind of have this idea that when we follow Jesus, we got to leave all the stuff to follow him. But I want to suggest this morning that's not quite the full picture, because what that creates is this dichotomy of 
compartmentalization that Dave referred to where he talked about the Sunday Dave and the Friday Dave. Because you guys have jobs, right? But you're supposed to leave your job and follow Jesus. Right? So then we feel like, well, if, you know, I, I can be a Christian on Sunday and be who God's called me to be on Sunday, but then during the week I actually still need my job. And so, um, so we create this dichotomy, this compartmentalization of this person and this person. Or you got to actually leave that stuff and become a missionary or a pastor if you're really spiritual. But that's not what's happening here at all, because watch this. If you go through the book of Mark, actually, if you go to the next chapter, even though they left their families, you'll see that they're meeting in Simon's mother-in-law's house with their family. But I thought they left their family. So what are they doing a week later meeting with his family? And then we get, to, we get uh, the next set of scriptures in, uh, on the screen here. Take a look at this. Uh, in Mark 3, verse 9, Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. Mark 4, 1, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a, a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out. Next slide. You'll see here again, Mark chapter 6, that Jesus is using this boat. Mark chapter 8, verse 10, verse 13, that there's this boat that Jesus... So my question is, whose boat is Jesus using? A fisherman's boat. But I thought they left their boat. I thought, I thought they left their family. When you become a disciple of Jesus and you leave everything to follow him, you actually you don't leave it. The, the, the only difference is that Jesus owns the boat. And so it's not my boat, it's Jesus' boat. And so it simply becomes a question of Jesus, what, what do you want to do with my boat? Well, I want to use your boat to sail across the sea. Okay, if it's your boat, you, use your, you can use it. I want to use your boat to stand there and preach on so the crowds can hear me. Okay, it's your boat. You can, use, you can use my boat. See, all of us have a boat. Some of you have, you know, your nine-to-five job. That's your boat. Your, your family relationships, that's your boat. The, the school you go to, that's your boat. The college, your hobbies, those um, sports teams. And so when we decide to follow Jesus, we don't say, hey, i got to leave all that stuff to follow Jesus, or i got to compartmentalize my life and have this me and then this me. No, we simply say, Jesus, here's my boat, and it's yours. What do you want to do with it? I'm going to invite the worship team to the stage. And so that's the question that I ask you this morning is, what's your boat? Where, where do you find yourself every single day, the relationships you're a part of every single day, the teams you're a part of every single day? We, gotta reckon, we, we can't buy into this, this, uh, this temple synagogue lie that says, hey, there's a couple of select clergy people who are really doing ministry, and we just got to show up and go to the gathering once a week. Because at Sunrise, we're not interested in temple model or synagogue model. We actually want ecclesia model. That every follower of Jesus would say, Jesus, I'm following you. Here's my boat. Here's my life. And it's yours. Now, creatively show me what that means for me to follow you faithfully, to bring your kingdom in these places as it is on heaven, as it is in heaven. I'm going to invite you to stand uh, with us. And Ryan and the team are going to lead us.
this morning that you would begin to imagine with God what it could look like for his love and his grace and his kingdom to actually flow through you where he has you. And your, your story is different than Dave's story. It's different than my story. You know, John and James, what it meant for them was different than what it meant for Peter and Andrew. Uh, but their posture remained the same. It was, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then the question is, okay, what's, what's my boat? Where are my relationships? Where's my job? Where's my job? What does it mean, God, for your kingdom to actually come into this place? And you start ecclesia, you start church, you start um, building God's kingdom uh, by his grace where he has you. And again, that, that process only comes from transformation in the heart. Um, and maybe that's the step this morning that you take is saying, Jesus, come into my life, transform me from the inside out. You're Lord of my life. But maybe you've done that before, and this morning is more about just recognizing that Jesus owns the boat. And it's just taking the posture of, God, it's your boat. How do you want to use it? This, this new scorecard is reflected in the vision of SunWest because we want to be a community that equips and releases people into the mission that God is calling you on. Uh, and so it, it actually takes some engagement from your part to, uh, to ask God what that means for you, for him to show you. Um, and our hope is that as we gather together, you get encouraged and refreshed and built up to actually do the things that God has for you and that he wants to do in you and through you. Um, I'll invite the prayer teams forward. At the end of each service, we always have prayer available. We just invite you to come forward. Uh, we'd love to pray uh, with you about anything that's going on in your life. It could be related to the topic this morning or something completely different. Uh, let me close by, uh, by praying. Uh, and if you don't have kids to pick up um, and you're willing to help with tear down, I, Dave talked a little too long, so I'll blame it on Dave. Uh, kidding. It's my fault. Um, but that would be that would be helpful, um, Father. We just, uh, Lord, we thank you that um, you do not call the qualified, but you qualify the called. And that every one of us, Lord, that you want to do something actually very unique and significant through. Sometimes, God, we got to push through our own insecurities and our own inadequacies and recognize that it's not out of our own, um, our own strength or abilities that we actually do transformative things. It's through your spirit. And so you call us to take a posture of dependency. And so, Lord, we depend on you. We say that we need you this morning, Lord. There's nothing eternal or significant that we ourselves can do, uh, but only that you can do. And we just make our lives uh, and our boats available to you, God, to, to use as you would uh, have us use them for your glory. Uh, Lord, I pray that every person in this place this morning would sense um, that you have a purpose, a call, and a mission uh, that you've invited them to that's more than just coming together and gathering together on a Sunday morning. Lord, you've called us to more than that. So, Lord, would we catch your imagination and your dream for that and carry that with us as we go? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for coming. We'll see you guys next week.